I sometimes wonder, putting the words up on the screen like we do, the, the verses, if that's a help or a hindrance. I, I don't know. It's a help? I still don't know. Still not convinced. I, I saw a dude in the back there come in with his wife and baby, and he had a Bible with him. And I saw I got fired. I was like, that guy brought his sword with him, man. Good job. But he brought his Bible. Like, I'm, I'm going to... I think Luke's going to be preaching out of the cookbook today. Better bring my favorite cookbook. No, no, no. Luke's going to be reading the USA Today. No, 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 no. Luke's going to be reading the Word. Better get myself a Bible but, but, uh, so I can follow along and write some notes down in it and consider it deeply so I can take it to heart. And so I'd encourage, we have Bibles for free over on my left there. You can take one of those, the Gospel of John, the small one. There's the whole Bible, the big one. There's some under the chair. Get a Bible. Maybe you don't like those kind of freebie cheapies and you want to get your own Bible. You can get your, they're expensive, by the way, just so you know. They get, put a little money into your sword. The first Bible I ever purchased was $85. I'm pretty sure I stole some of the money to get it, you know, just, you know. I'm, I actually know for a fact I did. I stole most of the money, you know. Baby steps. <laughs> did, did you know that the Bible is the number one shoplifted book in the world? Okay, it's the number one stolen book. I just it's awesome. I love it. So, so if you didn't bring your Bible, you're like, oh man, I left mine at home. I feel like such a crumb, you know, whatever. We're going to give you plenty of crumbs to pick up today, some bread out of God's word. But I want you to become Bible people. And the reason I say all this is because what Jesus says in the text, Jesus has a crowd that shows up. And you could imagine he would be excited. Peter, we made it. The crowds are here. Take an offering. We're going to go gangbusters with this thing. You know, he, instead, Jesus looks at the crowd and kind of furrows his brow. He says a few things. Number one, I'll read it in verse 18. We read it last week. It's where we ended. He says, take heed, therefore, how you hear. They're all there listening. Listening, listening. But, but he knew that some of them were listening better, listening different, listening for real, listening in a way that would actually produce change. Have you ever been in a meeting where somebody is talk, 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 talking, and you have come up with in your sub-thoughts so many ideas and schemes and, and solutions to your problems, only to realize 10 or 15 minutes goes by and they're still talking, and you look at them, <gasps> what are you doing here? You know, you, you haven't been listening at all, or even worse. Husbands, have you sat there with your wife? <laughs> and she has something to say, and, you know, hours go by. And she's done and looks to you. It's your turn now to respond. And what are you doing? You know, and you, oh, were you talking to me? You know, you know, and you got the fat lip. And Jesus warns, just showing up's not enough. That's what he says. Just showing up's not enough. He says, I want you to show up. Receive my word. And then he uses some agricultural terms, some logical terms. He says, my word, my show up and let the word of God be like a seed that goes in the ground. It's got to produce fruit. That's what I'm looking for. If there's a bunch of thorns growing around with it, it eh, won't work. If you plant it right there in the shallow ground, it eh, won't work. If you put it there on the road and don't cover it with soil, it eh, won't work. But if you hear my word and plant it deep within and keep it with a noble heart, expecting God to produce fruit, dudes, gals, it's going to grow. That's how I want you to, to receive it. I want you to cherish it and take it deep within it. It then, listen, this is the whole premise. It will change you. And it will produce in you what you can't produce in yourself. 
If you're not taking the word in and hiding it, but trying to receive and achieve new goals and efforts without the word of God, that's just self-helpism. That's a cult. That's an outside-of-God religion. But the word of God, he says, I'll use a word that you understand. The word of God is it's magical. Okay? The Bible says it's miraculous, that it does things that you can't do. It does things you need done, like when you got an infection in your face. Some of you are like, that's what's wrong with me? No, no. Like a tooth, you know, your tooth goes bonkers on you, and you start taking that antibiotic. Isn't that weird when you get a tooth infection? You just start taking a pill, and it goes throughout your whole body and somehow knows what to do in that area. So, too, the Word of God goes in you. It's designed to do something through you. If you don't take in the Word, don't even try it. Okay, don't try being a better you, a better something. It's, it's going to be self-ism. But, but there ought to be something that happens if you're like you today, showing up to church to receive from God's word. He says, careful, verse 18, how you hear. And he gives us some encouragement. He says, what you have, if you listen well, ooh, it'll be multiplied. He says, but if you think you have and you're just going through the motions, and I'm going to close my eyes and say, may, may, it, may it not be so of any of us. May, may no one here be going through the motions in Jesus' name. May no one here be just pretending to be a Christian. I went to church. Isn't that what Christians do? Kind of. Ish. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. That's like the means to an end, which is to actually go to church, to be equipped, to be enriched, to even be provoked towards good works. That you would then leave and do it. And if you don't do that, I'm not going to judge you. Okay, There's no shame for me. I don't have the, it's above my pay grade. I don't judge you. It's not going to happen. But the Lord would say, don't leave here without grabbing that word and putting it into play. Otherwise, what you think you have right now, you don't even have, that's going to be snatched from you. It's going to get like gnarly out there. And it's a, it's a warning from, from Jesus to, to us that have been saved. If you're not saved yet, okay, get saved and come back to the 6 p.m. service. This will make a whole bunch of sense. Okay? If you are saved, you're a Christian. He gave your life to Jesus Christ. He forgave you of your sins. You're living for him now. And you receive from him the daily bread, the manna for your soul and what you're to be doing. You're looking for instruction. He would say, cool, glad you're here. Good. Take heed how you hear, though, because I want to multiply it. I want to take you deeper. I want you to take that and, and produce fruit. He also uses a different illustration. We studied it last week. He said, when you light a light, a, a candle in your house, you put it as high as you can so it produces as much light as possible. Nobody lights the light and then hides it so nobody can see it. He's saying when you hear the word of God, when you believe the word of God, when you want the word of God, you don't just kind of want it marginally or smallly or shadowly or, you know, darkly. You want the word of God to go crazy on you. And I would just say this, that's God's heart for you who are believers here, because when your identity changes, your activity changes with it. You're going to be light and you're going to be fruitful if you're a Christian. But Jesus warns even the Christians, says, make sure that your lights don't grow dim and that your fruits don't get choked out. You don't need to raise your hand, but have you found in your Christianity, you believe in Jesus, you want to love him and serve him, but you get distracted, don't raise your hand, you, you get discouraged, you get weird. Have you ever been that sheep that kind of just goes out on your own and just does a swan dive right into the mud? You know, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, look at me, I'm a pig, you know. And after a while, though, sheep don't like mud after a while. And pretty soon you're like, I don't know if I like it here. And the pig's like, it's great, you know. And you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not a pig anymore. I've been changed. I'm a Christian. And the shepherd comes and he washes you through the water of his word. 
He heals you. He puts some oil on you. He does all kinds of stuff for you. Yet there is a warning to those who receive the word of God that you wouldn't receive it to a point of lethargy or apathy or non-production. Again, this is like one of those messages that comes along in Jesus' ministry where he is walking in success at this point. Everything's banging hard and going big. And Jesus gives him kind of some hard coaching. As a matter of fact, in the text today, if we ever get to the text today, while Jesus is preaching and teaching, his mom and his brothers come along. And they're actually not impressed at this point. They, they know him physically. He, he's saying things of himself, like, I am the light of the world. And they're like, I don't know if you can say that. They don't believe yet. He's saying, follow me and I'll lead you to heaven. There's no, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And through me, you can have sins forgiven and eternal life. And they're like, I don't know, bro. Follow me because I'm God and I do miracles. And on the weekends, I can water ski without boats, you know. You know and his mom and brothers are like, darn it, the, the guy needs to come home. He's been working too hard. He needs to take a nap and drink some chamomile tea. You know, he's just off his rocker. Give him his meds. That's what they say. They show up. And Jesus is preaching. And somebody comes to say, hey, your, your mom's here and your brother's. They're not fans, okay? I wouldn't say they're foes, but they're not, they're not into what he's saying. And so Jesus looks at these and says, you go tell my mom and my brothers. What? And you tell everyone here that my family is the ones who hear my word and do it. Those are my family. Those are the ones who get involved and get invited and be participants of what God is doing. Now, just speed ahead a little bit. His brothers and his mom would become believers eventually after the death, burial, and resurrection. Like when he raised from the dead, they thought, oh, didn't see that coming. You know, I, guess he, I guess he is God. And they would give their lives to Jesus. But there were people on the front end who heard his word, received it gladly, kept it with noble hearts, and then walked out as if, Lord, would you change me now with this, what I've received? This is the, the warning for you guys and for me. James, little brother of Jesus, James, James who was here, James who said, hey, Jesus, I got new brothers, the ones that believe me, take a hike, what? That James would write his epistle later and say this, don't be hearers only, deceiving yourself, but be doers of the word. He warned people of hearing Bible studies and going to sermons and downloading podcasts and reading devotionals. Be careful, be careful. Don't just underline and highlight and nod and agree. Deceiving that you're actually doing it. Thinking that you're actually enjoying the fruit of what you just received. Have you ever done that before? You might not even know it. It would be like this, though. So foolish. It'd be like this. It'd be like going to Fred Meyer's and going grocery shopping. And instead of grabbing the green cart, you grab the red cart. You know what I'm saying? When I go, I'm a green cart guy. Like, I know where my limits are. Like, once it's full, we're done. You know, the red cart, that's like Thanksgiving Day and all the... How many red cart people we got? Red cart? Green, part, green cart people? How many people just order your food on Amazon? What's going on here? Anyway, <laughs> imagine this, though. Imagine you go in and grab whatever cart you want, and you fill it. You spend an hour and a half, you know, checking. Oh, that's good stuff right there. And you just fill it, and you get all this stuff for your meals and your weeks to come. And as soon as you're done, you go right to the freezer section by the ice cream there. I know where it's at. And you put your stuff there, and you check. And then the shay, you say, that was awesome. I'm done. And you leave your cart there and walk out to your car and get in and drive home. What? what about that food? You yeah, I got all my food. I didn't assimilate it, apply it, or integrate it into my life. But I know what I got. I actually picked real carefully. 
how many people pick your church you go to semi-carefully. Obviously, not many of you guys are here. You know, or, or the devotionals you read. or the what you, I pick it carefully. Well, do you, though, assimilate it? It would be even more foolish to spend hours preparing a meal just cooking, man, and baking, and all this is coming out the right time, and there the plate is full, oh, 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 and as you're walking by, go right to the trash can, and it pops open, and you just slide it in there, you know, put the dishes away, and that was so good. It would have been good, and it actually was good. You might even be able to get it out of the trash if you hurry, you know, like, it's still, no, I'm just hoping you guys with me would get something from the Lord today that would be worth changing our lives. Maybe if you're a crusty Christian, maybe change your life again. It'll kind of get you back to where you need to be. So easy to be a crusty Christian. If you've been a Christian for longer than a year, you're probably getting crusty, okay? Like the good news is now like, you know, optional news or, you know, it was great news at one point, but now I just kind of got things balanced out and it's, you know, it's, it's optional news or whatever. Careful. The Lord would say in verse 18, let's read it so we do get some words here. Verse 16, I'm sorry, sorry, not sorry. Verse 15, let's go all the way back. Let's get crazy. He says, but the ones that fell on good ground, they're the ones who having heard the word with a noble heart and a good heart, they keep it. Oh, and they bear fruit with patience. We studied that last week. No one, he says in verse 16, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but instead he sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. That's what you're supposed to do. Verse 17, he says, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. What's happening here is supposed to be public, if you would. It's supposed to be seen, evidenced. It's not supposed to be hidden. There is that ideology that I'm a Christian on Sundays, and I hide that. It's very personal to me and very private, and I don't let that ooze into my work life or especially not my love life. That would be weird, you know, or, or, or my spending life, and it's just me. That's not what it says. It's supposed to be who you are dictating what you do. Which, by the way, that was what we studied last week. Identity, who you are, always dictates activity, what you do. And so if at any time you are doing things right, it's because you are right. If at any time you're doing things wrong, it's because you've taken a different identity, a darkened identity, a fruitless identity, a, a selfish identity. It happens, and the Lord says, don't do that, guys. He goes on to say this in verse 18, therefore, here's the warning, here's where we launch from today, therefore take heed to how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, whoa, even what he seems to have or thinks he has will be taken from him. Verse 19, well, then his mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd, how offensive. And it was told him by some who said, your mom's here and your bros, they're standing outside desiring to see you. And Jesus says this, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray now and ask God to help us to be those who hear the word of God and like Nike stole this from Jesus, do it. Okay, just do it. All the great one-liners come from Jesus, just so you know, do it. Nike stole that. Remember that other one-liner that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger stole? Uh, I'll be back. That's G Jesus said that, okay? <laughs> Praise God. That's from Jesus. I'll be back. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that your word would find fertile soil and would be taken seriously and, Lord, would, would permeate our hearts. Lord, I pray for the guys and gals who brought their Bibles here this morning. 
I just carried him in. I pray you bless them. In Jesus' name, Lord, may they not be deceived into just carrying a Bible, but may they be, Lord, challenged into living the Bible. For my friends here that, that didn't bring their Bibles in, Lord, may there be no guilt or shame, but maybe some exhortation to be Bible people. Maybe you don't even own one. You don't you get a freebie you stole from the church or what? that you would be compelled. I'm going to get a Bible and I'm going to cherish it and I'm going to use it like, like a sword and I'm going to get to know it so that way when battles come and tests are found my way, I succeed and I pass those tests. Holy Spirit, the word of God will be spoken audibly today and people will stream later and receive now. May that word, whether we brought one in or we'll buy one later or listen to it now, may it not, Lord, fall on deaf ears. Holy Spirit, I pray for an anointing on this time, a blessing. Set it aside. For I do believe there is a test coming. And you promised us that after the teaching would come the testing. This is the teaching time where we get what we need for what's to come. Maybe there's a gal here right now that feels they're in the test. Right now, it's just, oh, it's hardcore. I don't know what the heck is going on. My life is so harmful and hurtful, and I, I feel so alone. And may, Lord, the word of God find purpose and fruit. May there be protection and sustenance. I thank you, Jesus. We, we all need that. Thank you for this time we have set aside. Holy Spirit, do what you do in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. The whole solution to all your problems is found in Romans 10, 17. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want more faith, you need more word, but not just more word on deaf ears or on icy hearts, but on warm ears and, and warm hearts, those who would receive his word. And when you receive his word, things begin to change. When you fill your cart, and then take it home and put it in your fridge and then pull it out and put it on your plate and then take it from your plate and put it in your mouth. It begins to then do what it was accomplished or should I say sent out to do. And Jesus has been teaching and instructing and yet he, he, he discerns. Not everyone here is getting it. Some people are just here to see what happens next. See if maybe I do a miracle or two. Other people, they were taking notes, listening. He says in verse 18, take heed how you hear. H hearing, listening. Did you know that hearing and listening is not really that popular nowadays? Okay, speaking and talking is. People love to talk. They love to speak. I want a voice. Listen to what I have. We love to comment and to tweet and to post. And, and you can go to college and you can actually learn how to talk. They'll teach you in college how to talk. There's not a lot of classes in college that teach you how to listen. What'd you major in? Listening, it's crazy. <laughs> you can major in communication, speech, and you can, you know, all these classes. And did you, there's not that many classes or groups that are just geared towards, I want to learn to listen better. Like, what? Nobody does that. Everybody wants to be seemed as smart by the way they speak and talk. Even a fool is perceived wise when he does what? Shuts his lips. Listens. Just listen. Jesus says this in verse 18. Be careful how you listen. Careful how you hear. You can hear wrong. Husbands, you got it. Listen and not really listen. And, and Jesus is giving this teaching as he's given other teachings, yet he's given a warning along with it because sometimes it gets hard to listen to teachings. As a matter of fact, like I said, I was in Yakima at the Antioch Christian Training School on Monday through Friday. 
28 chapters is what we went through in seven sessions. Over a thousand verses, 18,000 words. It took 20 hours of non-stop teaching for these 25 students that are up there. Friday, Friday, Monday, that's the first day of the week. Monday and two times Tuesday and once Wednesday and twice on Thursday and also on Friday. Teaching the whole book of Acts. And I'll tell you what, when you're teaching that much and looking at the students and the way they're nodding off and falling to sleep and applying things and taking notes. I told them something at the beginning. So be careful how you hear. Not because, listen, not because I'm going to give you a test at the end. Okay, I told them this. I said, you guys are, and I gave them journals. I actually bring journals up for these students. I spend $100 out of the church's money here, and I provide these journals for them. And I say, write stuff down, but don't write down details like, Galilee was really big, you know, and Jerusalem was 67 miles from. Don't write that stuff down, because there's not going to be a, a professor Q&A test at the end. But I did tell them this. I said, I'm going to say a whole bunch. And when you hear something that has maybe some, some fluorescence to it, some kind of depth to it, uh, something, right? That's for you. Write that down. That is going to change your life. That is going to be what you're going to hold on to in the storms of life. There will be a test after this, but not for me, from life. And when the word of God goes into your life and that devotional, don't you love the feely goods, the warm fuzzies, the Holy Ghost goosebumps, you know, you know, the Lord, he gives you that in order that when the test comes, you pass the test because once you pass the test, usually the test passes you. And right now, some of you are taking tests over and over again. And the Lord would say, careful how you hear. I've given you what you need to get through this test. The word of God has gone out. And I'll tell you what, it will be what God uses. The Holy Spirit actually says this. Take no thought for what you're going to say when you're put upon the council before magistrates. In other words, to stretch that, the Holy Spirit would say, don't worry about the hot water when it begins to heat up. I'll be there for you. I will pull out of your heart what you need in that time of testing. Uh -oh. What if I haven't put anything in my heart for you to pull out? Well, it's going to be slim pickings. But if you put the word in, put the word in, and put the word in, God will have a lot to work with when you get tested, when the trials come. You see, in this, Jesus is imploring, those who are in my family, they're the ones who hear my word and do it. In the next section, we'll get there today, I promise. I promise. Jesus says, let's get in the boat, boys going to the other side. The boys are like, wow, the other side's like 12 miles away. I'm not sure if you know anything, Jesus, but we'll do it, you know? And they get in the other side and they begin to row. The Bible says Jesus falls asleep and then a storm arises. And in those low-walled ships, 13 people in depth, this is a scary deal. The wind was whipping the water into the boat and they began to panic and they woke Jesus up. Have you ever been woke up while you're sleeping? Can I just get a not cool? Not cool, you know? ever and they wake jesus up panicking and jesus looks at them and looks at the waves and snaps his fingers and yells at the waves and the waves stop and then he looks at them where's your faith uh super wet and windy you know <laughs> might have went overboard and jesus if you would would say well, what, what did i tell you we're gonna do today he said we're going over did you miss did you think i said we're going under i might have thought you said that yes I might, I might have thought you said we're going under real bad. And he's like, I said we're going over to the other side. That's what I said. That was the words of God. We're going to make it. And yet they panicked. I wish I could say I've never panicked in life. Uh, matter of fact, earlier this morning, Benny Chestnut was sitting here about 8 o'clock. We pray at 8.30. And he asked me how my week went. 
And he asked me what God's doing in my own life. And I think, honestly, what God is doing in my own life is teaching me a pace, a steady pace. A pace is to trust him. My life will come and go. I will live to however long God wants, and I'm done. And, and it, I, I technically matter not. I don't need to fret. I need to show up, lace up, suit up, and race. And find a pace. God's going to do it. What are, we, what are you stressing about? What are you worrying about? What are you panicking about right now? <laughs> really? Does God's promises have your address? Yeah, they do. Did he say he will work all things together for good? Technically. Did he say there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God? I suppose. Did he say that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it? He may have mentioned that. Did he say that his thoughts towards you are innumerable? That may be superfluous, but yes. Did he say that he takes your tears and puts them in a bottle, considers them deeply? Yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah. that's Old Testament, but yes. You have all your you know, asterisks, yeah, okay, he did say that. Did Jesus say that he has thoughts for you that are not evil, but good for a future and a hope? Yeah. Did God say to pray for the peace of the city, for in its peace you shall have peace? I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Did God say that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world? Maybe. He said all that. And we find ourselves in storms. And, and again, I, just, I, I, I wish I had something more cool to tell Benny. What's God doing in your life? Oh, oh, oh let me tell you. No. I can't, I, God is asking me just to trust him. To, to bear my fruit. Put my roots down. Not, not anything fancy. It's really just kind of a steady course. Don't you just want to run a steady course? Okay, I don't want to be famous down here and do something down here that's... I just want to be famous in heaven. There's my, there's, my, there's my boy. He's running his course. There's my gal. She's hearing the word. She believes it. That's enough. That's it. That's the fancy word. Those are my family who hear my word and do it. Oh, I kind of want to be a part of the family of God. I want to be a part of what he's doing. I want to, it, it comes from this book, the word. Get one. Take one home today. It's not stealing. I just told you you could take it. It's okay. Again, listening's not easy. It's, it's difficult. I remember one time at the Ashland Christian Fellowship years ago, Wednesday night, Old Testament survey. Huh, tough stuff. And I'd worked all day at the church. I was exhausted, and I was a front row Joe, stage left, on the right, sitting right where you guys are. Front row with my Bible. <laughs> Shaking off the... <laughs> By the way, you're only allowed to sleep in church if you're one year or younger physically, okay? <laughs> Two years old, we'll let that slide too. But, any, you know, if you're sleeping in church, like, come on. Anyways... And I remember I was just, I was tired. And the Lord asked me a couple questions. Said, What's he preaching on? Is, is it powerful? Yeah, it's powerful. Is it the words of eternal life? Yeah, for sure. What, what do you need? I, need? I need to sit up. I need to press in. And I decided, as boring as the Old Testament can be, and as exhausted as I was, and I pressed in, and I would just encourage you guys. Jesus says, be careful how you hear. And what he's advocating for is an engaged reception of how you're getting the groceries from God. Is there hope of eating this? You ever buy something and you don't even wait till you get home till you eat it? How many people are here the ones who don't even wait till you buy it to eat it? Where's my rebels at? <laughs> yes. I love that stuff. Just boom, you know, going down. Everyone's looking at you. My kids are freaking out. Dad, you haven't bought it yet. I'm like, trust me, you know. And then I'll give them the empty, like, oh, look what he did. You know, mess with them and stuff. Anyways. Listening's not always easy, but it is encouraged, okay? There's ways you can, active, engage, active listening 
Again, we, we don't have classes on this, and so I encourage you to, to get involved and to sit up and to get ready. Some of you guys come to church because it's the right thing, and you do your devos because it's the right thing. What if, it, what if you knew it was going to change your life? Would you get here early? Would you get a parking? Would you sit in? Oh my, this is going to change my life. This is so good. And how haphazardly do we handle it at times when we study God's word? That's why I encourage these students, write something down that will change your life, will be for you the rest of your life exactly what you need from God's word. I'll use the illustration again. If I were to promise you and convince you that it were true, that I knew the seven winning numbers for next week's Megabucks drawing, and I were to tell you that number one, the first one drawn is number 12, and the second one is number 87, and the third one is number 39, and the fourth one, and you were listening saying, that's so cool. Man, just changed my life. And you would be scrambling for paper and pen, and if you knew it was true, and if you didn't have paper and pen, you would take your fingernail, and you would claw it into your <laughs> forearm. You would put it in the concrete. Like, there it is. I got it. Because it's going to change your life, uh. Jesus warns, careful how you hear, be careful, because you can receive and be deceived. You can be lethargic and fall asleep. As a matter of fact, in Acts 20, Paul is teaching a sermon. I just taught this on Thursday night. It was one of our night sessions. It was about 9.30 when I was teaching this. And Paul is teaching. It's a Sunday morning. He teaches all the way through into the evening, and they're in the third floor of this house, and the windows are open because the lamps are lit. Kerosene lamps, oil burning, and the air quality diminishing, and the crowd swelling, and the stinky smell. And so this one guy sits in the windowsill listening, and he's nodding in and out of sleep. His name's Eutychus. And Eutychus falls asleep during the preaching of God's word, falls out of the window, and hits the ground and dies. Paul, the master preacher, not to be interrupted by some stunt like this, runs downstairs, body slams the guy, brings him back to life and yells up, he's all right, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter three and goes back up and finishes the teaching. He, he preaches until the next morning, breaks bread, has communion and takes off walking, looking for more people. I gotta teach a Bible study? You're like, no, you know, he's the master preacher. By the way, you know why they call him Eutychus? Because if you fell out a three-story window during Bible study, you'd have cussed too. No? No, no, no. Maybe, maybe. Depends on how the word had found you. Eutychus means fortunate one. He was blessed. God gave grace to him in that teaching. It's a funny story, trust me. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We've got to keep, keep going here. Listening's not easy. It can be tough. George Whitfield. 1700s evangelist, preached over 18,000 sermons before the technology of microphones. He was born in the early 1700s and died in the late 1700s. The biggest crowd he ever preached to at one time was 23,000 people that showed up to one of his farewell sermons. He was getting ready to leave to London or somewhere, and they all, 23,000 people. He was a master preacher, orator, extraordinaire. In this portion, Luke chapter, thank you, 8, verse 18, he writes a commentary on this portion. The word again, be careful how you hear. Take heed, therefore, how you listen. 
So he wrote a commentary, and he gave us six points on how to be good sermon listeners. He taught 18,000 sermons, saw plenty of people, and he gave six pieces of advice. I'll rip through quickly. If you're taking notes, do this. If not, go back on the stream and watch it later, or iTunes, or just memorize it, or scratch it into your forearm, whatever you got to do. Number one, he said, come to hear sermons, not out of curiosity, but a sincere desire to know and do your duty, like a soldier. Can you imagine that, showing up to your barracks and hearing from your commanding officer and not caring what you're being told to do? You wouldn't, you, if you're in the army, and Paul uses that language for Timothy, don't engage in the affairs of this world, but instead stay focused, pleasing the one whom you enlisted for. In Whitfield, it says when you show up, man, show up ready to, oh, it's going to be nuts, dude. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to get something from God. I better write this down if I believe it's going to change my life or you're listening wrong. And it very well could be some of you are listening, not just today, but in your life wrong. You just want your ears tickled or your back rubbed by the Lord. I just want to feel good. And the Lord says, no, no, I want you to do good. When I meet people that come to church here for the first time, I give them the three ingredients they must find in any church. When people leave our church and move to a different city or go to another church in town, I tell them, make sure these three ingredients are kicking wherever you decide to go. Number one, that the word of God is taught. You got to go somewhere where you're fed, where you leave saying, I got the word, dude. That was legit. I feel good. I feel great. I feel ready. Not just fed, though, but you got encouraged or exhorted. Like maybe you got messed with a little bit, maybe a little throat punch here, you know, a little sucker punch here. Oh, man, I feel good, but I feel like I also got some stuff to work on. I got to grow a little bit. And you're getting fed, but getting encouraged. Third thing you must have in a church is you must, you must have some way to both receive and give back. You got to be, you got to be important. You, your absence should be noted. Where's that guy been? Where's that gal been? They're not sitting in their chair. I feel you should be connected somehow to one, two, or three different people and growing in the community. If that's not happening at this church, go to a different one. Okay. Find a church where you get fed. You get challenged, but you also matter. You reciprocate in one way or another. Well, Whitfield says, hey, man, show up, not just curious, but instead to know and do your duty. Similar to that, number two, his points are, give diligent heed to the things that are spoken from God's word. Like Jesus said, listen carefully, okay? Write it down. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these before. They're interesting. It's a writing device. If you're under 20, first time I know, it's right here. It's a pen. It's a pen. It goes, pen comes out just like that. It has ink within. You can actually write down thoughts and ideas and just kind of put it. You're going to need another tool. It's a modified form of trees. <laughs> this is uh, paper, and you can write down your, th your things on paper and your notes, and it's just it's like from your mind to here and to your heart, and you can take it with you, and then you can forget. What was church about? I don't know, dude, but it was so funny. Let me see. Oh, and there's your notes electrified from God's word, and it'll be there preserved. And so he says, take heed, man, old school. Write it down. Wouldn't that be awesome? Write it down. Just write it down. Learn to write. I was at the Yakima, 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 Yakima Act School. And this one girl said, hey, just, I'm kind of learning. She's asking all kinds of questions. Is that, would you advise, thank you, would you advise reading the Bible with the journal and, and writing down? I was like, yes, yes, let the Lord speak to you and write down thoughts, man. Unless you want it to be dry as toast, cooking meals and throwing them in the garbage. Whitfield goes on. I got to keep hustling here. He says, do not entertain. Number three, this is his words, not mine. Do not entertain even the least prejudice against the minister. Can I get an amen? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But for real. 
Because what happens when you have something against the author, the teacher, the speaker, so something you've just accepted, ah, you know, they are this, and man, that, and then all of a sudden you're plagued in your thinking and you can't receive. If you ever cook fish, we live on the coast, or even crab, you've got to watch out for shells and bones. And yet the meat there is still there. And if you eat some fish, eventually you're going to have a bone. And you could take that bone out and set it down and keep eating. It's awesome. So too, eventually, at least so I hear, eventually if I keep doing enough sermons, I'll eventually say something erroneous or wrong. I haven't yet, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You know, I'll offend somebody. So will they and so will them and so will he and she. Put all that down and go get the meat. Okay, spit out the bones. It's not that hard. Matter of fact, one time I listened to this one particular teacher's sermons on a controversial theology and doctrine that I did not agree with him on. Big mistake. I listened to every single thing he had to say that I did not agree with. And by the end of my listening, guess what I didn't want to hear anymore? Anything he had to say. And I concluded it in my distancing. I said, what he has to say is divisive. And the Lord says, wow, so you're pushing him away. He's the divisive one. Whoa, good job, Luke. You know, God, ah, and so I brought him back into my life and I received from him that which is edifying to my life. Don't, don't, don't come in with chip on shoulder and don't read that book. I hate this guy. It's not gonna work. As a matter of fact, verse four, he says, be careful not to depend too much on a preacher or think more highly of him than you ought, than you ought to. This, this is a different trap. People compare churches one with another, this worship team, that worship team, this pastor, that pastor, this author, that author. Paul said, don't do that. He said, don't say, I'm from Apollos, I'm from Peter, I'm from Paul, and I'm, I, I have this pastor. Don't be that kind of a person. Instead, receive what God has for you from whoever God brings into your life at that time in your life. Number five and six, and we're done, we're moving on. Number five, he said, make particular application to your own hearts of everything that is delivered. This is, again, where the journal comes in. How many times have you heard a sermon and you're thinking, oh, I wish she was here to hear that, you know? This is for them. Don't do that. Oh, I can't wait till this is published. I'm going to send it to them in link format. Oh, this is so good. Ah, you know. Make personal application to your own life. That was for me. That was for me. I hope they get it too, but that was for me. I needed that. I'm going to make it, it into my, not just agree with it. Okay, let me just say it this way, by the way. If you're not doing anything different, or new, or better, after a sermon, you need to get a new church or a new way of listening. If you're not doing something new or different or better than when you came in, you need to go to a different church, okay? Or listen better. You're not here just to show up, sit, leave the same. Isn't that crazy? You're actually here to change. You're here to leave a little bit of your flesh, cut it off, and you're here to receive a bunch of the word, Romans 10, 17. And take that out. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, dude, my life's changing. My identity is coming out in my activity. What I used to do, I don't do anymore. What I never did, I want to do. My, my whole life's changing because of my identity. And now my activity is bearing fruit finally and lastly moving on. He says, how will sermons and listening be effective for you? Pray to the Lord before, during, and after every sermon. When you read your Bible in the morning, pray. Lord, open up my heart. I, I study a lot, and I, I'll just confess, a lot of the times when I study, it's studiously, and I gotta, you know, gotta get my mind wrapped around the text and what it says and some applications. And, and if I fail to just pray and worship, it's so different. And if I go to the text saying, Lord, I need some smart stuff to say. I need some good stuff to say. I need some life-changing stuff to say. But Lord, I want it to all come from a foundation of love, of heart, 
Lord, I want this to be so legit. And I want to get it first. And I pray first and pray for you and you pray for me. Wouldn't it be awesome if you all prayed for me all week while Luke's preparing sermons to come preach to you? Depending on what restaurant you go to, sometimes you do pray for the cooks. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, don't let them blow it. You know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyways. <sighs> pray. Pray. He, he says again in verse 18, Therefore take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away from you. He gives us the freedom to go as deep as we want, as far as we want, not a moment further. I promise you, if you decide to buy a Bible, read it, underline it, memorize it, get a journal, use it, learn how to write, write down thoughts, prayers, applications, journals, goals. Lord, I want to do this. By the end of 20, what is it, 17? 17. I want to quit smoking cigarettes, okay? I want, to quit, I want to quit doing this or quit seeing that. I want to start doing this. I'm going to start tithing in 2018. I'm going to give, Lord. I know I'm not a giver, but it says here you got to give, and I just, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write this down, and if you would do that, you would begin to grow, and God will take you further. For you crusty Christians, okay, you need prideful, crusty Christians, I think I would throw myself in that group at, at any given time. Yeah, I've read, read a lot, done a lot, and I just, am I excited to journal? What's the Lord going to give me? Something new? You better believe it. Amen, baby. <laughs> Praise God. And what does the Bible say about babies? As a newborn babe desires its mother's milk. That's all that baby, that's all that baby wants right now, by the way. That baby. So too, the Bible says in 1 Peter, for you and I to desire the word of God, to want it, to want it, to want it. And... And God will take you further. You who have plateaued right now who are just, I've done it. I just, the energy's not there. Like being married for 20 years or so, the spark's gone. Maybe married for 20 minutes, the spark's gone, whatever your problem is. Here, here's, a, here's a principle. You create motion. God will bring the emotion in your marriage, in your parenting, but primarily in your Bible reading. I promise you. You create the motion. You do what's right. Quit being a dummy. Do what's right. And say, Lord, I don't feel it, though. Would you, would, you, would you fix my feelers? Would you bring that emotion? And if you decide this week, crusty Christians, to step out, carve away some time, man, I've been asking the Lord to wake me up earlier. And you know what he's been doing? Waking me up earlier. I'm so not okay with it. And he does it in those ways. He speaks to me through the clock, you know, like exactly. Like this morning, I was like, what time is it? And I looked, it was like five o'clock, perfect. You know, five. I was like, five? No, come on, Lord, you're crazy. I'll just meditate in bed. I'm just going to pray a little bit in bed, you know. And I prayed in bed, you know. And, and, and the Lord's challenging Luke Frechette. Hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You want to just, just stabilize and just no more? You got enough? You happy? No. No, I'm not. Cool. Let's do it then. Let's get crazy. Let's go hard in the paint. I will take you as far as you want to go. I will show you new and profound revelations. I will return you to your first love. And if you create the motion, I will bring the emotion. This is a sure word for those who have drifted away from their Bible reading, their worship, their prayer, their self-edification. And even for you who have stopped serving some people or stopped loving your spouses or stopped leading your kids, you just, eh, I forgot or whatever, start it again. You do the right thing, God will bring you the heart behind it. He tells us that in verse 18. If you do this, more will be given to you. 
Notice what happens in the next three verses. He says, then his mother and his brothers came to him. They couldn't approach him because of the crowd. It was told him by some who said, your mom and your brothers are here standing outside to see you. Just two thoughts. Number one, our Catholic friends are mistaken uh, when they say that Mary was a virgin perpetually. Uh, The Bible clearly teaches that she had additional children outside of Jesus, which was an immaculate conception. Just kind of a side note, Jesus had brothers and sisters. He had a whole family. Mary and Joseph were very happy in their marriage. They were very committed in that way, making kids. You know, anyways, um, they were, and here's the second thought. In this text, now Jesus was available, was he not? Little kids running up to him, you know, people. But, But he was also not available. The guy was super busy. Okay, he was both the son of God, power, amazing. He was also the son of man, just a normal dude. And here on this day, his mom wants his attention, and he pulls out his iPhone. It's not on the calendar. She needs to make an appointment. She wants to see me. I mean, he's a busy guy. And there are people today that forget that we get busy. And I'll tell you what, Jesus here is busy. And I just take this note from him as he's looking at these men and women around him, not able to see his family at this time. And instead, he identifies. And that's the word we've been working on, identity and activity. He expands this identity to other people that would find their family roots in him. Hey, you want to know who my family is? Hey, Jesus, your family's here. Again, they didn't believe in him at this point. They wanted him to take a nap. You know, maybe he needs some NyQuil, got a congestion. You know, he's, like, he's saying crazy stuff. He's working too hard. He's exhausted. Look, he can't even, I can't even see him. He's so busy. And yet there were people that did believe in him. And Jesus says, those are my family. His mother and his brothers would become that. They would believe. But at this time, they didn't. But for you who do, this is good news. Jesus invites you into his family. He says, you who are believers, who hear and who do my word, you're my brothers and my sisters and my mother. You're the one who I now look to in this way. And I would say that for those of you who have an amazing family, you now have an amazing extended family. You who don't have an amazing family, you have an amazing extended family, the family of God. The amount of connection we have here in Jesus Free love and hugs, acceptance, forgiveness, forbearance, fruit and hope and peace and a future together. We're going to be together forever. This is crazy. And my, a lot of my immediate family goes to church here, but I'll tell you what, you all go to church here and you're my family. He invites you in. I want to be a part. And by the way, families, families are a mess, aren't they? You know what I'm saying? Don't lie to me. Families are a mess, aren't they? They're crazy. And you know what the difference between eating at home with your family and eating at a restaurant is? At a restaurant, you don't have to do anything, and you can complain when you're done. <laughs> you can order whatever you want. They serve it up. You eat it, and you say, I'd like to complain. Can I get one of those complain cards? I want to get a discount on my check. You know, I wasn't happy. And they'll listen to you. Oh, sorry, sir, sorry. You know, they'll listen to you. You try doing that at your house. <laughs> Sitting at the table with your mom and dad. I'd like to complain now about the food. Your dad looks at you, really? Do tell. <laughs> tell us about your mother's cooking, you know, and you complain about it and all that. You don't get to do that, you know, or, or maybe you're at the dinner table and you want some more, you know. I'd like some more, please. Go get it, dude. I want some dessert. Yeah, me too. Got it, you know. Families are different. And he's saying, hey, you want to be part of my family? It's legit. But, but you need to look at it as a family. It's not just self-serving. It's self-sacrificing. 
When, when you're part of a family, you actually are there for the betterment of the rest of the, the family. You're there. And if this church, because that's where we're at, or, or your church where you're from in Idaho, but if, if, if your church isn't your family, you'll only be there for a while until you leave. Why, why, why? If it's your family, though, you'll, you'll get through the stuff. You'll get through the hardships and the hard knocks and the you know, thick skulls and the whatever. The, the, you'll get over it. It's your family. And not just will you get over and get through it and stick with it, because you'll quit if you don't. If this isn't your family, I wish it was. See ya. But if it is your family, you'll, you'll grow with us. The other advantage of seeing the church as a family is that you have an invested interest in its well-being. That when your family is well and growing, you're well and growing. Can you imagine sitting at that restaurant when they give you the check? If you were to say, you know what, I'd like to give above and beyond the cost of the meal. I would like to help support the rest of the things going on behind the scenes. Maybe some new chairs here at this restaurant or some new signage out front or it's a little warm in here. Maybe you guys could use a new air conditioner. I'd like to donate to that. Could I do that? Is there a way I could just help? Because I'm really concerned about this restaurant. Okay, the guy in his back pocket's dialing 911. He's like, we got a cuckoo head here, you know. <laughs> Something's weird. This guy's not right. But in a church, as your family, you actually want. Is there anywhere I can serve? What's going on? What, else, what do you guys need? And there are people here that see this as their family. They show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. Serving, helping, picking things up, making things down. Don't. How can I? We need a new air conditioner? Let's get it. Or at this church, we need an air conditioner at all. You know, let's get it. And, and people are generous. It's a family. The other day. I was in the den, it was like the day before I left, I was stressing and all the rest, and I, I heard outside my window the staple gun going crazy. And I looked out the window, and there Noah, my nine-year-old son, is on the other side of the fence where we can't see. It's kind of like a blind area where the neighbors are at, you know, and he's over there just, you know, and boys, you know, just putting, and I, so I opened up, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm fixing the fence here. The, 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 the meshing's coming away. The dog pushed on. I'm kind of just putting it all back. I was like, well, just make sure you just push hard enough when you're doing it, you know, and, and I reach out, yeah, just push hard. Good job, son. You know, I was like, what is this? This kid's helping. I thought he was, you know, trying to vandalize stuff. It's been done, you know. Don't you love it when your kids vandalize stuff by writing their name? <laughs> Who did this? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Some other kid named Noah. <laughs> And here's Noah, nine years old. The fence was coming apart, and he just knew where the... He told me the story later. I was like, Dad, I was looking for staples. I couldn't find him, and I checked the junk drawer, and there's a brand-new yellow pack of the Stanley Staples, three-quarter inch, and I just put him in there. I was like, dude, this is a... He just, ownership. We care. Jesus' brothers, not yet. They would. He would Jude would write a book of the Bible, a little baby book, 24 verses, not very long, but it's a book, you know, and James would write a book of the Bible, and his brothers and his mom, his mom would be listed in the name of the 120 faithful there in Acts chapter 2. She's right there. They would become part of the family. You and I, though, who hear his word and do it, we're family. This is so fun. My, my parents live in Walport. I see them from time to time. My wife and my three kids live here. My sister lives in Beaverton. Other than that, you guys are my family. And I see you guys all the time. All over, we see each other. What a privilege. What a blessing. And he's encouraging those who are with him. Now, final story. I just got to tuck it in here. I promised I would. I'm going to read it quick and then make some thoughts and we're done. Now, now it happened on a certain day, verse 22, that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, red letters, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, Luke says sailed, but you know there's no sail. Okay, they're rowing. This isn't the Black Pearl and Captain Jack Sparrow. 
different. They're, they're rowing. And I'm just going to be honest. You ever rowed like Immigrant Lake, like to the other side on a paddleboard? Like, that's fine. Easy. This is like the open sea. It's not salt water. It's fresh water, but it's big. And if Jesus says, let's get in the boat and go to their side, you're like, you sure you don't want to stay here? <laughs> you know what I mean? We could just stay here. Here's good. I have seven reasons why here is very good, you know? And you get in the boat, and you're like, ah, you know? And Je- Look what Jesus does. It's in, it's in the Bible right here. Verse 23. But as they sailed out, he fell asleep. What? And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in jeopardy. That's different than Alex Trebek in jeopardy. It's a different kind of jeopardy. This is, it means danger. And then they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm, woe. And, but he said to them, where's your faith? What? Now they were in the midst, they, they thought they were dying. We're perishing. That's like fancy for, ah, you know. Behold, master, we're perishing, you know. They were wimping out, wussing out. And yet they had three things within the boat with them that should have kept them from wussing out and from wimping out. Number one, they had the promise of God. God had told them, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And Jesus goes to bed. Jesus didn't say, let's get in and go under. He said, let's get in and go over. And that's all they had. The word of God. You and I have the word of God. He now is testing the boys, whether you like it or not. After the teaching comes the testing. After your devotional, after your scripture memorization, after your commitment to Christ, after your Bible receiving Sunday morning, there's a test. It's how it works. Here's what you're going to need for what's coming up next. I'm going to give it to you. Make sure you hold on to it tight. Make sure you get to apply this. We're going to the other side, boys. And on the way to the other side, they start to cry. They start to panic. The wind was real. The waves were real. The water was real. But they had with them the promise of God. Right now in your life, check this out. You have wind and waves and water that are real. Stuff's in your life that's happening. Out of your control. It's difficult. It feels like you're, man, just getting pummeled. I'm just getting, I feel disoriented. I've been rowing all night and I can't even see the shore and and I've been turned around a couple times and I'm just, I'm fatigued. What does the word say? That all things are working together for good. That he who began it will be faithful to complete it that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that, that, that he who began the work will, will, will see it to complete. All, all those, that's the promise. Not just the promise, they also had the person of God. Jesus was with them. Okay, Jesus is a great guy to have in your car, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship, in your job. Bring Jesus with you. They brought Jesus. He's in the boat with them. And you might say, yeah, easy for them to hope on Jesus in the storm. I'm just living my life. Jesus would say later, John 16, it's better that I go away so the Holy Spirit would come and indwell you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus was there sleeping, okay? They had the promise of God, they had the person of God. You have the person of God inside you, in your storm. They're in a storm, Jesus knew this. Do you think Jesus didn't check AccuWeather and know what's happening? <laughs> you think he's just blowing it like bad, bad trip planner? They get the boat, we're going to the other side, you know? He knew, he's testing them. What if God's testing you right now? Psalm chapter 11 is your homework. For the Lord tests the righteous. The eyelids of the Lord behold the righteous. He's testing you right now. Years and years ago, I was reading my Bible four in the morning at the Upper Room Coffee House and Bookstore, and I was undergoing pressure from something. Who knows? Can't remember. But when I came across Psalm 11, and the Lord reminded me, I'm testing you right now. This is just a test. 
I who am semi-competitive in things I do, looked at my situation a little differently. I thought, you mean this is just a test? This is what's happening right now? You're just testing me? <laughs> Bring it. Let's do it then. I love tests. Don't, when you know it, when you, can, when you can win. Let's test. I go to CrossFit on the occasion, and I put weights that are too heavy in front of me to lift them up as fast as I can, faster than other people. It's called a test. And I like it. It's fun. So too, if you just believe, oh, you're testing me right now? And when you pass the test, the test will pass. They had the promise of God. They had the person of God. You too have the person of God in your test. They also had the last thing, the peace of God in Jesus. It says they went to him to wake him. That's the right thing to do. But when they got to Jesus and saw him, you know what they should have done? Hey, don't, 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 don't. shush, he's sleeping. Shh, he's sleeping. Because if Jesus is sleeping, you have nothing to worry about. I would say it this way. In your life, your test, you have one right now. If Jesus isn't screaming at you, and maybe he is, here in this text he's not. If Jesus isn't yelling at you and telling you what to do, if, if right now in your test you're saying, Lord, I don't, even, I don't know what to do, I, I can't hear your voice. Silence is golden. No news is good news. Did you know that they should have just kept rowing? They wouldn't have sunk. Peter would walk on water later, okay? They, God's got this whole thing figured out. Like even if the boat fills all the way up, like, oh, we're still floating, this is great. They should have just kept doing what they knew to do. When you can't hear a clear word from the Lord, what if it's okay? What if God says, I already gave you a word? What? I need a fresh word. It's stormy out. Nothing's changed. Stick and stay and make it pay. You're married? Stay married. Got kids? Lead your kids. Got a job? Stay the course. Signed up for something? Don't quit. But it's stormy and windy out. I don't know what the Lord's saying. You mean you, mean you can't get a clear word from the Lord right now? Yeah. Perfect. You don't need one. You already got it. If, if God needs to get your attention and you are asking for him, he will tell you exactly what you need. If he does not tell you anything, that means that he approves the course direction you're on right now. He approves it. You, you might not. These guys didn't. I'm getting wet. It's so windy. Puking, you know, whatever. Who knows what they were doing? They want, Jesus stopped it and then rebuked them. Where's your faith, guys? A couple verses later, it says they get to the other side and step out. <laughs> Whoa. God got him to where he was getting them. He knew what he was doing. He had a plan the entire time. These three things, the word of God, the presence of God, and the peace of God. He had told them what he was gonna do. The, the word of God is so important for you and I. What's it say? Benny Chestnut, this morning. Luke, what's going on? What's God showing you? Find a pace. Run your race. Not, not, not that fancy. I believe that there are storms to come in my life for this church. Challenges. Difficulties. What am I going to do? <laughs> Keep rowing. Keep hearing the word of God and doing it. It's not really that complicated. It might not even be really that fancy. It might just be legit. And would you with me commit to creating the motion of doing all that and trusting the Lord to bring the emotion, repenting for your lethargy, your appetite. Be careful how you hear, therefore. 
For those who hear, more will be given. For those who think they're hearing, even what they have will be snatched away. What? That's big time. Don't be Eutychus. Falling out the door. Missing the teaching. Missing what God has for you. But instead, present yourself to the Lord a living sacrifice. Asking him to reveal to you his heart, his will, his way. I'm going to have the worship team come up and lead us in a response time. As we prepare to respond by taking communion and repenting of our sins, and I want to encourage you. It's not that hard. Get in the boat with Jesus. Are you a husband? Row like a husband. If you're a wife, row like a wife. You're a mom or a dad, row like a mom or a dad. If you're part of the family of God, row like a family member. Just apply the word of God. It's not. There is a misnomer in Christianity. It demands exponential evidences of God in our lives. Exponential. Crazy. Elijah was in a cave one time. There was wind and fire and all kinds of crazy stuff. And the Lord said, I'm not, I'm not in any of that. I'm in the still, small voice. And he encouraged Elijah to get out and encouraged him. It's really simple. Get in the word, the still, small voice, and let the Lord change your life. I'm actually going to give you a chance to respond by closing your eyes right now. And I want to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes what you want it to do. We want to present ourselves to you, though, Lord, as those who are responsive with your word. And if you're here this morning and you would say, I just want to respond well, I want to hear well, I just I feel like I'm foolish or I'm, I'm lazy or I, I'm not condemned, but I'm also, I don't, I don't know, I'm not that happy with my reciprocation of the groceries of God. I feel like I just keep leaving my cart at church. You get so much good stuff and I got nothing in my fridge. And I want to change that. I'm willing to do it. My identity deems that I do things differently. My identity says that my activity can change it. I, I've been afforded that the new life. And I'm still doing stuff I shouldn't do. I know it. Ah, it's killing me. And if you're here and you just need help from the Lord, it, in the next couple months, 2017, it's coming to an end. And in 2018, maybe set some goals. Lord, I just want to be right in your sight. I want to just do what I'm supposed to do. I want to hear how I'm supposed to hear. Lord, would you make some changes in my life for me? Would you do it, Lord? I just want you to write your word on the tablets of my heart. Maybe you're way out to lunch, or maybe you're a crusty Christian that just forgot that this is exciting. But you need the Lord to do something in your life. Would you just humbly raise your hand to him right now? Just raise it nice and high. Just I'm not looking. Raise your hand and say, Lord, do it in my life. Forgive me. Let me hear your word right. And Lord, multiply what I already have. Multiply what I get. Lord, do a work. Forgive me. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be empty. Lord, you see the hands that are up and may there be sweet fellowship and love. Your love, your love, your love. Even as, Lord, your mom was there looking for you. You can put your hands down. Your mom was there looking for you and you didn't acknowledge her that day. It's a bold move. And yet on the cross... You would say, here's my mom, John. Take care of her. Hey, mom, there's John. He's going to take care of you. 
you love, Lord. So too you love us here who maybe don't get it yet or aren't doing it right. Just we're busy or we're weird. Your blood spilled for us. Your body broken for us. Shows us your love. That you would take care of us, your family. And I pray, Jesus, a blessing on us as we come to the table now. As we would celebrate our older brother, the son of man, and the lion of Judah, God himself, Emmanuel, the son of God. As we celebrate you, your body broken for us, your blood spilled for us, Lord, we do what we do in remembrance of you, proclaiming your death until you return, subjecting ourselves to your ways. Be glorified and may we be edified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you all stand with me? And when you're ready to take communion, the aisles are open. Come down the center aisles and take your communion out to the side. There's people to pray for you on my right and left as well. After you've taken communion, you're free to get your kiddos and bring them to communion as well. The tables are open. Come when you are ready. Prayer on my right and left.
Lord, we believe that your word can do for us and in us what we cannot do. And so now we ask, Lord, just like without the seed going into the ground, we can't produce corn or apples or anything. But Lord, your word is miraculous. It can give us in our lives what we lack. So for the woman right here, or the man here that needs, Lord, love and peace and joy, patience and kindness and goodness, meekness and self-control, fruit, that needs faith. I just I feel like I'm going under and perishing. Lord, your word has gone out. It's going to do in us what only you can do. But may we, Lord, be hearers, those who hear well, diligently, maybe even writing down notes, even if it's our iPhone, that's okay. Just write down a note, more word, 
application, assimilation. Get into his word. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. May we trust you and love you. Do, do a work in our hearts though, Lord. May, may we just, like the sower in Mark 4, see the word planted in our hearts and then we just do what we do and we wake up and the next day there's fruit and the Bible says, and he knows not how it grows. So too, may there be healed marriages here today in Jesus' name, healed relationships, righted courses, just our courses made right. And we don't even know how it happened, but we trust you to do it. You break every chain. We love you so much, Lord. Bless the activities this week. We look to you for all that we do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you all. Be cool out there. Be safe. God bless you. May he produce much fruit in your lives. We'll be back at the 6 p.m. service tonight, so pray for us that we see much fruit. God bless you guys.